I may not be an exotic dancer with a small monkey counterpart, except for Tuesday evenings at the Walmart on Whitehorse Road from a black panel van, but you can still call me the pole assassin. The gray That's right. Pole assassin, baby. Make that money. Make it count. Make it unique. Make it work for you, girl. And guy? And monkey? I don't know what sex the monkey is. You're in the gray zone. You're listening to me, Gray Thompson. It's just me by myself this week, which is kind of neat and a little scary, but really kind of cool. There's been a lot to talk about, a lot to think about, um, not just related to monkeys. You know what? Let's start there for anybody who doesn't know. (laughs) Okay. Texas, the University of Texas's special teams coach, Jeff Banks, is married to an exotic dancer whose nickname is the Pole Assassin. It's kind of cool. I I feel like I used to lose Halo games on the original Xbox to countless nine-year-olds named Pole Assassin, but that's for a different time and a different podcast, I'm sure. The Pole Assassin, I forget her name, so we're just going to keep calling her that because it's kind of cool. She has um, several pets, but she dances with a pet monkey, kind of like the monkey that was in Friends. I forget his name, but Ross's pet monkey. So it's that sort of size, like uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So think about that. It's cute. It's fun. They they help you, you know, get coffee and bring you toilet paper and things like that. It's cool. I love animals. Don't get me wrong. It sounds like she takes pretty good care of it, but I digress. On Halloween, they had a party. And a small kid snuck into the um, area that was marked do not enter, basically, explicitly. And he got bit by this monkey from behind a cage. Right, He stuck his hand in there, and they couldn't get the monkey off of him. No pun intended. <laughs> Sounds like isn't that a George Michael song. Get that monkey off my finger? Anyway, they had to pry the monkey's jaws off of this little kid. And, you know, again, if you think of the monkey from Friends, I'm sure this child's life is traumatized but it was safe it wasn't like he was in danger of getting destroyed like um you know what if you're looking for another really interesting podcast find my buddy josh forbes's podcast called macabre reality be a part of the macabre mob it's true stories of everyday horror and the first episode will tell you everything you need to know about whether or not you're going to like it however that first episode is about uh was it travis the chimp a chimpanzee, very different from a monkey. I know a lot of people might get those two confused. A chimpanzee is basically um, a modified human built to kill with giant teeth and enormous arms and a, and a penchant for violence. <laughs> not not monkeys. Anyway, um, I digress. I, it really is just kind of a silly story, this monkey thing, in case you can't tell. But that's what we're all about here because, frankly, this sport has been filled with too much confusion and anger and a disproportionate amount of dangerous and pessimistic and conspiracy level thinking that I've really, really struggled with this week. I was so excited, actually, on Tuesday night for the initial college football rankings to come out. I thought it would give us something to talk about, which it did. But it, it wasn't about talking. It was about anger and choosing violence, like you were a chimpanzee instead of a monkey. And everybody went full ape. And when I say everybody, I kind of mean it. I mean, everybody who has a voice, all the fans, the commentators who have voices for millions, including people on ESPN, it wasn't all bad, but it was, again, disproportionate. You're going to hear that word a lot today, so get used to it. It's a very effective word for the situation we're in, this golden age of college football, this most competitive, most chaotic season we've seen in decades, where... 
I guess this is the first week we're not having undefeated ranked teams play each other at all. How crazy is that? In fact, the only ranked game off the top of my head, and I think outright, is Texas A&M hosting Auburn. Consider that. Consider how blessed we've been for this season. How fortunate we are to celebrate every single snap, every single Saturday. And in case you can't tell, I'm a little bit fired up that we're not doing that. We should be savoring these games. We should relish that we have football at all, especially after how close we were to not having it last year and how truncated and and unfair, frankly, you know, COVID notwithstanding, it sucked that we didn't get the best out of the best of the sport. Alabama notwithstanding, because I think the SEC, maybe they just got lucky that they were able to have this schedule where you had SEC teams playing everybody, and Alabama played everybody in league except for Vandy and South Carolina. Then they played Notre Dame and Ohio State. Couldn't really ask for much more of a more competitive, exciting schedule, I suppose. A lot of this talk about the playoff committee is just fixing them and changing them. There's no talk, zero talk at all whatsoever about matchups and how to create these games. To me, it seems so easy to 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 remove one cupcake for the top 24 ranked teams. And we can argue about whether or not those 24 should be ranked like Mississippi State. Good grief, people are nuts. But if you replace just one game, just one, with one of those top 24 ranked teams... Now we have a lot more to talk about, and you can earn your way into there. Like Clemson was potentially going to have a problem with this year, like Cincinnati clearly does this year. I think a lot of, of people have a lot of opinions on teams that they aren't watching. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know <laughs> I watch a lot of football. I care about the sport. I love the sport. It's, it's kind of hard not to, but I'm not, again, I'm not unique about loving the sport. But I love how competitive it is. I love how much we get to watch it. Look, if you love the NFL, you got to pay for it. A lot, frankly, to watch all the games. And there's only 32 teams. There's 100 more teams in college football. And that's not including things like FCS. So it's much more difficult. And yet more of them are broadcast than ever. More games are more competitive. You can have more fun. And yeah, I talk about teams like UTSA. I don't talk about the Patriot League very much, right? So that's okay. It's a different league. I try to keep it competitive, but that includes talking about teams like Rice and Charlotte, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. And I don't talk about them all that much, but I certainly do talk about them and try to encourage watching them more than I think anybody out there who you're listening to most likely. Certainly any of the biggest voices who have these opinions that they try to encourage other people to get furious about. And I cannot stand it. Alabama probably doesn't deserve to be ranked number two. That's okay. Then again, they're top five in the offense and defense. They have the hardest schedule under any metric that I've found um, of all the top 10 ranked teams. So it's not a complete and total conspiracy to have them at number two. I, I think part of the problem is they could have earned their way up to number two, and in particular because they're going to play Auburn, who has another big game. There's a three-way I guess, battle right now for the SEC West. If you didn't know, Georgia secured the East last weekend. It's done with their victory over Florida. Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn are all competing for the for the West. And it's literally going to come down to the final weekend, the Iron Bowl, the week before. We're not going to know who Georgia's going to play until then. Isn't that crazy? Texas A&M could literally win the West. Then what would that do? 
if Texas A&M won the SEC by beating Georgia, Auburn, and Alabama, uh, forget Auburn, let's just say Alabama and Georgia, Texas A&M beat them both. Now where do you have them ranked, including winning the league? Do you move them up to the top four? How mad can you get? I don't know. I don't care. The more I think about it, the more I hear people get angry about these rankings and care more about the championship than anything else, the more it is is impossible to escape for me how much more important the regular season is important to me, how much more important it is or should be to all of us. That doesn't mean the championship doesn't matter. Of course it does. But we're missing out on this golden age of competition. More players able to play better from coast to coast than ever before. And we get to watch more of them than ever before. To say we take it for granted is a gross misstatement. It's a it's an under-exaggeration, if anything else. We don't just take it for granted. We don't even come close to giving it the respect that we deserve. And as much as I talk about it, as much as I celebrate it, I'm not even close. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. And it's not even close. Not even close. Okay? I'm going to move on from the playoff because we'll just intersperse some of that as we go along. Um, I'm also doing this by myself, like I mentioned, which is kind of frightening. (laughs) I love talking to people. I miss talking to people. I've talked to a lot of people this week. But with the playoff thing... With scheduling, with everything that's gone on this week, it was just kind of difficult. And i got to get this out there. I'm going to feel better about it. I feel better about it already. If you're listening, thank you very much. If you don't know, I'm Color of Grey on Twitter. That's G-R-E-Y, Color of Grey Studio on Instagram. Hit me up. Say, hey, say, hey, I hated your show. You're stupid. Why are you telling me to watch UTSA? I watched it, and they they destroyed UTEP just like I thought they would. Well, you haven't been watching them, and that's okay. We'll get to that in a minute, and that's totally okay. The Roadrunners, you should be watching them. Why not? If you're listening to this, you know I'm not going to tell you not to watch football all the time. I'm only going to encourage you to watch more, and you're not going to have a bad time doing it. Let's start at the top with the coaching carousel that's going on, in particular in Texas. Texas has had a week, y'all, but never. let's leave the monkey out of this. <laughs> um, but TCU, uh, they fired Coach Gary Patterson. Now, if you don't know who he is, he is second to none at Texas Christian University, who, you know, a Christian university who got in some fist fights with some horrible language in their game this past weekend. TCU has a ton of talent and hasn't really uh, done their best with it, I would say, for the last three seasons under Coach Patterson. He's up there. Obviously, he's been there for over 20 years. You can imagine maybe his energy level has gone south. I don't think so. I think he's still an exceptional coach. He deserves our praise. He he has a statue at Texas Christian um, in Dallas-Fort Worth, which is well-deserved. Again, he's taken them through three leagues, including being good enough to get the Big 12 to take them up, just like we're seeing with Cincinnati. (gasps) How interesting is that? Now Cincinnati's going to get to play Big 12 teams every year, and maybe now they'll control their own destiny better. Isn't that interesting? Because we couldn't, we're not talking at all about forcing it on these competitive teams from a league like the AAC. It's going to remain competitive. They're adding more teams who's going to be competitive. The MAC is going to get more competitive. The sport is just continuing to get better. But these opportunities to prove you're the best aren't the same. They're not created equal. 
And when you do it long enough, you get to join these leagues that we do treat differently. For better or worse, we do. But they also, consequently, have more competition. Again, I digress. I know it's a little bit of a tangent. I'm excited for Cincinnati, in case you can't tell. I went to school at Cincinnati, in case you didn't know. Cincinnati's hosting college game day this weekend. Again, we'll get to that in a minute. Texas Tech also fired their coach two, three weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago. And that was kind of, that is a big job. But TCU is a much bigger job. Deal with it, like it or not. I think it's Sonny Dykes to choose whether or not he wants it. Sonny Dykes coming over from from SMU, who, you know, they lost against Houston in a game that had over 100 points. I called that one, thank you very much. That was electrifying. Gutting loss against Houston that, once again, Houston is another team nobody's talking about. Why? Because they lost in week one. Great. To UNLV, I think it was. It's incidental. They've been great since then. The AAC has been one of the most competitive leagues that nobody's watching. And we do this. We call it Power 5. We don't fight against Power 5. We let it happen. It's dumb. Just add more games. I can't stand it. I'm going to try to stay on track because there's too much frustrating talk about this sport, in case you can't tell, that's not relevant and not fair and not accurate and doesn't help anything at all. I don't know what TCU is going to do, but that is the biggest job in Texas. Texas is the biggest state. It's enormous. Texas is a huge football state, arguably the biggest. They want a Texas coach. They're probably going to get it. I think they should. Um, Coach Jeff Trailer from UTSA. Again, the Roadrunners, the University of Texas, San Antonio. He's a a Texas guy. He coached uh, University of Texas on special teams. He's coached at SMU, Arkansas, et cetera. He's coached all kinds of different positional groups. He took over last year um, at UTSA and went 7-5, and which is a big improvement. He just signed a 10-year extension for just under $3 million a year and a $7 million buyout, which if you don't know, that's kind of nothing. If somebody wants him, they can get him. TCU can afford it. If that's who they want, they can certainly pony up. It's his to choose whether or not that's what he wants to do. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if that's the job for him to take. 16, I'm sorry, UTSA is rated 16 in the AP poll. I think that's a little high, frankly. They're not ranked in the college football playoff poll, which has triggered an awful lot of people. So let's continue to talk about that. UTSA is at 8-0. Houston, 7-1. I think they're, well, again... UTEP is who they're playing. So I, I digress. I'm, you'll have to forgive me. I'm, I'm, I've had a long week <laughs> and doing this by myself. I'm a little flustered with what I'm supposed to talk about. UTSA, 8-0 on the road at UTEP, which is in El Paso, which is right on the border with Mexico. It's kind of crazy. UT San Antonio. For those who don't know what San Antonio is, if you're listening in the Greenville area, Greenville, South Carolina, San Antonio is very, very much like Greenville. Very, very. I hate myself for saying that just now. But it's a good comparison. They have a river walk. But in, in their river walk, you can ride a, a boat down it, a, a, like a paddle boat kind of thing. It's pretty. It's nice. It's not like El Paso, frankly, which is seven and a half hours by car. Texas is an enormous state. This is an enormous game. And if you want to watch Texas San Antonio so that you can make up your own mind, you're in luck. Because they don't often play on ESPN or ESPN2, but this weekend they are. It's at 10.15 Eastern, so you're going to have to stay up, but I recommend it. ESPN2, 10.15. It's going to be a fun game. Um, UTSA can throw. They kind of, their defense is good against the run. 
so if that makes sense, they're kind of the same on offense and defense. They can throw. They can't really defend the pass as, as good. Their defense is good against the run, but they can't run as good on offense as well. You'll have to excuse me. I'm trying to speak better, but we're going to get to it. UTEP lost to the only top 100 team they played. I'm sorry, they lost two to the top 100 teams they've played. That's what we're talking about when we talk about scheduling. Yes, we are in a golden age. Yes, there is more competition than ever. No, that doesn't mean there aren't bad teams or that they're all created equal or that there are 100 good teams. Both of these teams have played pretty bad schedules. UTEP, I mean, I say bad schedules. <laughs> they, UTEP was beat down at Boise State. I mean, destroyed. UT, I'm sorry, the University of Texas San Antonio, they beat Illinois. Um, They beat Memphis, which was close, but Memphis is a competitive team. They beat La Tech and La Monroe, the whole state of Louisiana, except for LSU. You think they wouldn't beat them? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. They beat Western Kentucky, including Bailey Zappi, who is frankly uh, underexposed Heisman contender. The top-rated passing quarterback in the sport right now. I don't expect people to watch Western Kentucky, but you should. They've done good enough to get invited to the MAC, which I think they're going to take, and that's great news. In fact, I think that's terrific news for the MAC because Middle Tennessee as well, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky both to the MAC will help put more eyes on the MAC. Not enough, certainly not enough for my taste, but it's going to make it inescapably better, and I celebrate that stuff. Obviously. Uh, UTSA is favored by 11 and a half. I like that. I I think it's close. But I def, I'm going with the Roadrunners, and I don't know if that's enough to change people's minds about how good they are or aren't. Again, they're undefeated. Is that enough to just play some good teams and a lot of bad teams and be undefeated in spite of being close? Like Illinois, they beat. It was 37 to 30. Is that enough? I don't know. I don't know. But I wish, and I still want to encourage more people to simply watch. That's all. And now you have an opportunity. Now! And you're listening to me tell you, watch the Roadrunners. Why wouldn't you want to watch a team called the Roadrunners anyway? Do it. Do it this weekend. Why is that not working? There we go. Oh, do not. There is no try. There is no try. You want to have an opinion? I don't care who you are. Time's tough? I know. I struggle with time, too. I'm a busy dude. That's why I'm recording this by myself. It's hard to get schedules together. But I don't just love football. I have these opportunities, just like you do, to watch more of these games in a better way. You don't have to watch them all live. You can watch them for free on YouTube in truncated versions that you can also fast-forward through. Right? And that includes determinate penalties, which these highlights often don't. They don't tell you the nature of the game. It's hard to watch all these games. You can't. I can't do it. Watch this one if you want to have an opinion on UTSA. That's your that's your opportunity. Meanwhile, another huge triggering one, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is hosting College Game Day. They are playing Tulsa. Oh, do you remember the last time they played Tulsa? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Where are you at? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? What what league do they play in? The American Athletic Conference, the AAC, a league that's been competitive for 10 years, and it's not enough to convince people to watch, except sometimes when there's an undefeated team. Makes me sick. You should be watching. Last year, Cincinnati played Tulsa 
for the ACC title, and it was close. 27-24, Cincinnati won. This is a rematch. Cincinnati's favored by 22.5. Why? I I love Cincinnati. Again, I went to school there. I'm super thrilled, thrilled with what Cincinnati's been able to do. Cincinnati was, was, I don't know how to say this. So I'll just be real clear and real honest. When I was going to school at the University of Cincinnati, I saw crime. I lived with riots and violent crime. An eight-year-old was raped and murdered in the park across the street where I walked my dog every day. I saw break-ins. My good friend, Jonathan Wolfenden, was held up at gunpoint because he couldn't drive his car in the street because there was a fight between two grown-ass women. And this guy just opened his car door, pointed a gun at him, said, give me your cash. He was working at a restaurant. He just got paid. What am I going to do? Screwed. That was just a way. He didn't even cry about it. He's like, here we are. That's Cincinnati for you. That's the way of life. I lived on East Hollister. On West Hollister, two cops were murdered. On that same street, I had to walk to get to the University of Cincinnati every day. I found a... (laughs) a beer pint glass on the road. I just saw it there, and I picked it up to make sure it wasn't broken. It was right next to a used condom. I swear to God, I took that pint glass home, washed it, and kept it, and drank beer out of it. That was the life I lived. I was a target. Frankly, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't get hurt more um, at, at Cincinnati in Clifton. Clifton's changed. And again, back to Cincinnati. What Cincinnati's recent football success has helped do is make Clifton and the surrounding area. That's that's the name of the part of town in Cincinnati where the university is. It's made it more safe. It's grown. The sport has made a lot of towns better, a lot of college campuses and surrounding areas better. It's provided jobs for countless people. It's provided opportunities to start businesses for people, including coming straight out of college or even while they're in college, or now for those businesses to support and pay players who are still in college with NIL. It's fascinating to me. It's not certainly not lost on me, especially after being a student at Cincinnati. It's interesting to think about how good Cincinnati was at basketball at the time, arguably elite, uh, with Huggins and um, why can't, I can't remember the, the names of the players right now, which makes me sad, but... Similar to UConn, who bailed on the AAC, the same league, so that they could participate in basketball more. Great. I understand it. That's a competitive league for for men and women at UConn. However, it it sort of troubles me and makes me kind of sad that UConn couldn't do what Cincinnati did, because I know they could. Cincinnati is living proof that you can take a team like Cincinnati, who I used to be able to simply walk into games. There was no security. There was nobody looking for tickets. And if if you bought... Cincinnati basketball season tickets, you were required to also have football tickets, football season tickets. They would give them to you. It was part of the package. There was no way around it. You couldn't not do it. They couldn't give tickets away. And they didn't care if you came or didn't come. I say they didn't care. Of course they cared. But it wasn't a point of contention. It wasn't. Look, Cincinnati's going to, I guess they're going to be sold out this weekend. I've never, ever been to a sold out Cincinnati game. I'm super stoked. I can't believe it happened. And yet here we are. So I definitely support it. And it's not going to happen for UConn. That place is in turmoil. It should, we shouldn't be allowed to schedule teams like UConn when they're this bad. But to see the potential for teams like Cincinnati to get good enough 
for us to consider, not to blame a committee for not putting them higher. One of the suggestions is for the AP poll to put them higher. People like Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt had him at eighth. They moved him up to sixth this week after winning in a bad way against another bad team two weeks in a row against an even worse team the week before with an even closer win. I'm sorry. Cincinnati is very good. Are they top four? I don't know. Do they deserve the opportunity to be in? I think so. Yeah. But is that somebody else's fault right now? How do we fix that? Again, where's Cincinnati's metrics? Oh, people don't want to hear that. It's kind of inescapable that that's part of the playoff format, though. And more to the point, that the playoff looks at the most recent games. Having the playoff rankings come out in week 10, after a quarter has expired, if you're on a quarter system like you're on the West Coast or at Ohio U, that's too long. We aren't responsible enough to be able to handle it. And when I say we, I mean everybody from top to bottom. The greatest leaders in the sport still aren't even prepared. The the best commentators, some of the biggest inspirations to me, are bewildered and perplexed, and it's not proportionate, the reaction and response, because of, in particular, teams like Cincinnati not being, quote-unquote, ranked high enough. I said, quote-unquote, you know exactly what I mean. Maybe they should be higher. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, in spite of the fact that Cincinnati, for example, is playing their running back. Their best back in the in the school is Jerome Ford, who is Alabama's fifth best running back. Thank God he's at Cincinnati. Thank God for the transfer portal. I know a lot of people don't like it, but where would Cincinnati be without Jerome Ford? Where was Cincinnati when they did play Ohio State a few years ago, who at the time Cincinnati was undefeated? They got destroyed at home, 59-0. to 59-0, if I'm remembering that right. I remember Cincinnati had zero. And then Cincinnati continued to throttle the rest. Would Cincinnati be better if you put Alabama's number one running back or Georgia's number one running back there? Sure. Would those teams be better if you put Jerome Ford back there? I don't, I don't think it's a, a stretch to suggest that it's not a conspiracy to say no. That's all. Does that make more sense? It should, right? That's part of the problem is we're trying. We have this playoff system that's designed to find the best teams. The problem is that seems to not be what we actually want. It was what we sort of demanded, but we weren't prepared for it. Again, don't forget, we have the playoff because 10 years ago today, as I'm recording this, LSU beat Alabama 9-6 in Tuscaloosa. LSU and Alabama later went on to play for the national title. Alabama won. They didn't let LSU get past the 50-yard line. It was that kind of game. And we, the fans, make no mistake, were furious. Furious enough that we didn't want to see defenses win the football games like this anymore. We wanted more teams to be able to participate. It's not illegitimate to want that. I wanted it too. I was happy for the playoff. I think it's a good thing. I think it is an improvement. But in that game... A kicker who didn't miss kicks missed five. Five in a five in a row. I think he made well, it's incidental. He didn't miss kicks. And he missed five, including two chip shots. Easily could have been tied. Easily could have been one. Then what will we say? The same problem? I don't know. It to me, it's kind of more providence than coincidence that that same guy made the next the first fifteen points in the national title game rematch. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so at all. I think it's providence that we forgot. Again, I digress. We have this system because of fan outrage. That's the truth. 
there's an argument that we would have had a playoff eventually anyway because of the revenue, because of the money. Make no mistake, the fans and their outrage over that Alabama-LSU game was the trigger. It was the catalyst for getting that ball rolling and rolling real fast into a snowball that brought us the playoff just two years later. I'm sorry, three years later, but we had the plan for it less than two years later. Deal with it. It's something to celebrate. We do contribute to this sport. We have a voice. They listen. They listen to our money, too. Will they listen to you watching UTSA? Will they listen to guys like Danny Cannell bashing them for saying that when he says basically they're completely illegitimate and this is a sham and a conspiracy of the highest level? I have a hard time listening to that. Even in the worst case scenario, if it were true, how do you, you can't just fix it by pointing the finger at them. Do you point it back at us? Apparently not. Do you point it at Cincinnati and say, hey, how come we can't get them to schedule better games? Do you point at, at Ohio State and tell them to schedule Cincinnati again in spite of beating them 59-0? to zero? Is that the problem? Again, I see schedules, regular season schedules, as a fixable problem. And I see the regular season itself as the biggest blessing. It's so disproportionate to how much we care about those games in late December and January. It's not even close. And I'm saying this as a fan of two really big teams who have won most of them, right? You'd like to think that I'd be the biggest proponent of it. It's benefited my teams, quote-unquote. I don't care about that. I don't. Not more than I care about the regular season. Not even close. That game that Alabama did lose to an unranked Texas A&M team was outstanding football. Texas A&M was dominant, arguably dominant, at the line of scrimmage. Alabama was making mistakes left and right, but it still was competitive. It still came down to a determinate penalty that put Texas A&M in a good position to make a game-winning field goal as time expired. To win it by a field goal. This wasn't a blowout. The emotion in that game cannot be matched by any other sport in week four of any given sport ever. Not even close. Never seen anything like it. It didn't even feel all that significant compared to, say, for example, the Braves winning the World Series, which is a big freaking deal. But that's one of the reasons why I bring all this up. The Braves won the World Series on Tuesday night, the same night the college football playoff initial rankings were released. I tune in on Wednesday. I have a good friend, Brene, who I used to work with. She's a dear friend of mine, huge Clemson fan, even bigger Braves fan. Got to travel again this year to go see the Braves in Cincinnati and in Atlanta. I've followed and watched more Braves games this year than I've watched uh, professional baseball in decades. Really, that's the truth. I've watched too much Cincinnati of the Reds just absolutely break my heart and and make me disappointed and feel like I was wasting my time. I watched a lot of Braves games this year where they were up six or eight points and still ended up losing. I watched them struggle but still come away with wins against teams like Dodgers who later they played in the postseason again. I did not expect this team to win the World Series, but I was more prepared and more excited than I've ever been for a team like that. And so I tuned in to the radio. I tuned into broadcasters left and right because I wanted to hear about the Braves. Crickets, I swear. That's what it felt like. I'm looking for it. It's not that I couldn't find any of it. Again, it was just disproportionate to these rankings and this fury about it and these allegations that aren't just unfair. They're dangerous and they're irrespective of these voices that should be telling you to watch more of the sport. And that's it. That's it. I've heard people say this too. Graham, why do you pay attention to this? Again, it was everywhere. It wasn't like I was seeking it out. And and more to the point, 
people who I get inspiration from. When I don't want to hear this stuff, I tune into them, and they were saying some of the same stuff. Granted, not nearly as toxically, but what really bugs me about that stuff is that the fans listen. They hear you. The, the, sport, the, the, the sport hears you. The players hear you. You, don't, you might not believe it, but they don't just hear you. They believe it, and they treat it as scripture almost. When you do good analysis, they think everything else you say is perfect, right? And they believe it, and they trust you. I'm not saying that you're not entitled to your own opinion either. I, again, my whole thing is that it's not proportionate to telling people, for example, how to analyze it. What's the point? What did you see that you could tell us why, for example, why was Mississippi State ranked? Does, does breaking a long-stand, another long-standing SEC record again this past weekend have anything to do with it? Of course it does. Who's telling you that? Just me? I can't help it. I have to. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Mississippi State beat a record that was held by Tennessee. Do you think I don't love it? You know I love it. You know I love it. Take those records away from the Vols every time you can. It's not that Mississippi State doesn't deserve to be ranked. Are you really furious about who's at 17? Again, part of the problem with the AP poll, yeah, we know who those people are. We also know who the college football committee playoff people are, every single one of them. They don't have these ties that a lot of people are suggesting, and the AP poll does. And the AP poll doesn't determine things anymore. It used to. It doesn't anymore. So those votes, to me, suggest that maybe there's some relevancy to how much they don't spend time getting them exactly right, particularly when you're talking outside of the top 10, like 17. 16th ranked UTSA. Is that appropriate? I don't have a problem with it. I'm not sure if I spent the time going through everything, including the metrics, that that's where I would come up with it. If you listen to this podcast, you know I don't cite stats very much, but some of them are inescapable. I just, what I, again, all it comes down to is I can't get furious about it. I just can't. Can't at all. I, um, you know what? Let's, let's go over some of the games from last week. I, I went to the world's largest outdoor, outdoor cocktail party. My goodness, I'm struggling today. So thanks for listening. Um, Florida against Georgia. Couldn't have been a better experience. It was a tough trip. Um, it was a relentless trip. <laughs> Met some great people. Uh, William, Georgia William, uh, is it William Kent or William Dent? I can't believe I can't remember. Um, anyway, Jim, John from Boston. I was surrounded by Georgia fans from all over the globe, and it was kind of hilarious. Like North Georgia versus the accent from South Georgia is more different from North Carolina and South Carolina. I swear to God. It was a diverse group of dudes who were all just rabid Bulldog fans. Um even though I care more about the team than vastly most of them <laughs> in, in terms of the sport. Like, for example, I didn't want to leave the game. We left kind of early. That was my only regret was that I didn't just stand there, even alone, and, and watch the game. You know I celebrate the entire sport. I was literally in the end zone with a Georgia fan on one side and the rest of them on one side and Florida on the other. It was amazing. It was incredible. For, for me personally, I could not have asked for anything more. The weather was sensational. The, the the timing, the the food, the camaraderie, the people, the game itself. I, you know, I wanted to see Georgia perform at its best because that's where they're ranked. That's what they've been doing all year. They didn't exactly disappoint. Florida had opportunities where they missed kicks. They missed field goals. They missed one at halftime right in front of my face. When the game comes up and they have a drive, they make the same field goal and miss it again. It was a little closer, but they missed it. At halftime, they hit somebody in the stands in the head. Nobody's paying attention. It's halftime. 
Florida dug some holes. Georgia, I heard one of their defensive players saying they were upset they allowed Georgia to score. Frankly, there it was in Georgia. I'm I'm sorry, Florida's hands to score more with those missed field goals, and Georgia missed some too. Zero zero in the first quarter. If you've heard me say this before, throughout the first quarter, don't let the first quarter of any game, especially the team you care about the most, trigger you or bother you or determine how you're going to feel for the rest of the day and the rest of the game and make your blood pressure climb through the roof and all those kinds of things. Let the first quarter completely go. Use it as an opportunity to say, whoa, 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 whoa. guys, we still got this. Let's see what happens. It happens so often like that, too. The first quarter isn't, I wouldn't say it's a total wash, but the games aren't determined by the first quarter very often at all. The first quarter is usually teams matching up, figuring out who, who's who's who, matchups and things like that, um, individual matchups, getting guys accustomed to the game time, especially when both teams are coming off of a bye week like this past weekend. Like we're also going to see with Alabama LSU, I expect a slow start, maybe not from Alabama because they're really good on offense, I should say. Um, but just throw out the first quarter. Don't let it get to you. Don't. Practice that. Uh, Georgia won big. It was fun. Georgia probably, I mentioned Florida clearly could have scored more points. Certainly Georgia could have too. Missed field goals. They had opportunities that they, they missed. They didn't have to necessarily go for it more often. Um, they had a, a fourth and short that they converted. They had another one they didn't. Um, or I think they got a penalty and it got pushed back, so they had to kick a field goal. It was frustrating, things like that. So it wasn't a flawless game, but Georgia sure did look good. Those dudes are competitive. They're left and right. They've got guys on defense, offense, special teams. It's a complete team. Kirby Smart knows exactly what he's doing. Like it or not, Kirby Smart is a great coach. I hear him speak, and he knows exactly, for the most part, what to say, not just to get his team motivated, but as a leader of young men, as a guy trying to bring other people into the program, and as a teacher. I have no problem with that. Go dogs! It really, really was fun. William in particular, we had a blast. Um, it was just awesome. I'm going to have William on next week, so I'm going to skip ahead because I don't want to talk about this game too much. We're going to talk about it again next week. I fully, sincerely recommend the world's largest outdoor, outdoor cocktail party. It wasn't that much different from basically a tailgate that sprawled across Jacksonville and Duval, the biggest city, I think. I believe it's the biggest city by area in the country. It sure felt like that. Um, but I really did enjoy it. Jacksonville did me good. Um, I got to drive everywhere. I got a lot of compliments. Uh, I just really had a good time. That's what it's all about. It's moments like that. Games. Games matter. Florida's 4-4. Four and four. It's the same record as South Carolina, and they're playing each other this weekend. So why should this game matter? Why did it matter? It doesn't determine who's going to the title. I mean, I guess it does if Georgia didn't perform, but they did, and it's not a surprise, so everybody glosses over it. Not me. I loved it. Go to the games. Savor the games. Watch more games. Savor those. Talk to people about it. Don't talk mad. Do your best. Try not to talk mad. Have conversations about the sport. That's all there is to it. Uh, Cincinnati at Tulane, Cincinnati 31-12. to Again, what do you want to say about Tulane? Desmond Ritter had just over 200 yards passing. Uh, uh, Jerome Ford wasn't the rushing leader. It, it was sort of a win-by-committee where Cincinnati pulled away again late in the game. <sighs> I struggle with what to do to Cincinnati. And I say this as a fan. I say this as a guy who went to school there. They aren't a top four team. They've had opportunities to prove they are. And yeah, they beat Notre Dame. But everybody's complaining about Notre Dame too, who's, like many other teams, getting better. Cincinnati, it doesn't feel like has gotten better. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. They haven't performed 
better. Now they're going to have an opportunity in this, you know, rematch from last year's AAC game this weekend against Tulsa. So maybe they will. I don't know. It was a three-point game last year. Tulsa, But last year, Tulsa had a top 20 defense. They don't. I think Tulsa can create more doubt in Cincinnati because, again, the spread is 22 and a half. What, what's that going to do if Cincinnati beats it? What's it going to do if they don't? Because if Cincinnati beats the spread, how much higher should they move? I don't know. I don't know. I, str- I struggle with it. I think we need to look for Cincinnati to score more. And they haven't been on that trend. I'm hopeful for them, but I just, I don't know what to do. I just can, Cincinnati has the number one pressure rate in the sport. That doesn't help Tulsa score. I'm not concerned about Tulsa scoring. I don't think that's what's going to determine how much Cincinnati moves. It's how much Cincinnati moves. Hopefully that makes sense. Penn State at Ohio State was (laughs) mistake laden, but Clifford was absolutely outstanding. He threw for almost 400 yards. Who, this is a guy who was visibly hurt for the last two games. I didn't think he was going to play in Columbus this past weekend. Instead, he plays the best game we've seen? That's crazy. It was an electrifying game. Number six at number eight, Michigan State. Two undefeated teams. We talked about this last week. Cade McNamara. Uh, I like to call him Snacknamara. He, too, just under 400 yards passing. Electrifying football. I'm still not... Con- you look at Michigan State, when it comes to things like offense, let's put it this way. S&P Plus is a metrics form. I'm not going to go over all what that means, but it's more analytical standings on, on that factors in who you're playing, where you're playing, things like that, and your performance level on the field, including penalties, things like that. Michigan State isn't really in the same category as teams like Alabama, and I say teams like Alabama, Georgia, Excuse me. Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are the only three teams above uh, 22 in the S&P. In fact, Ohio State and Georgia, I think, are, are right at 26 or something like that. There aren't any teams in the 20s. Like, it's, 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 it's part of the reason why I think it's okay to understand better about why this committee was choosing to select teams like that to be rated so high. Again, I don't think Alabama should be necessarily rated that high, and they have opportunities to do it anyway. So what difference does it make? i got to put them down lower on purpose. But I can't, in good conscience, put them behind even Michigan State, who's undefeated. I struggle with it. Part of me wants to because they're undefeated and they put a competitive schedule, but this is a rival at home and they beat them by four points throwing for over 400 yards. Why couldn't you do more? You got 37 points throwing for 400 yards. It's, it's confusing at best. Michigan state has another opportunity to prove it this weekend. I suppose. Is that going to matter? Oregon. I think they put Oregon above Ohio state because they beat Ohio state at Ohio state in week two. Cool, right? That's fun. But Oregon, I've said this every week, they're a fringe top 10 team. The problem is, now they're hosting Washington. This is a game where it's it's strength on weakness, really. Washington can't defend the run. Oregon can run really well with a quarterback who's mobile, who's getting better at trusting his receivers and is now suddenly making more passes. They also play with tempo. So now this number three ranked Oregon team is playing Washington. This is also for recruiting. Don't forget, Oregon and Washington compete for recruits out West like crazy. This is a statement game to beat Washington, who's susceptible to be crushed right now. 
I think a lot of people are prepared for it to be a closer game, and it may be. I see it as more inescapably going in in Oregon's direction, and it's a team. It's an opportunity for a team like Alabama is going to do with LSU for them to crush because again, strength on weakness. It can't ignore it in spite of the ranking. So it's not going to help you understand who Oregon is better now that you finally have a college football ranking to put them in the top four. I don't think they're going to be able to move up. Certainly they could move down. I don't expect it at all. So it's a little frustrating. It's not frustrating enough to get furious. It's just not. Kentucky at Mississippi State. I feel good about that when I called it. I didn't call Mississippi State getting four turnovers <laughs> against Kentucky. I didn't call for uh, for Will Rogers to throw for 344 yards. Right? I, I didn't call for Kentucky to completely stumble after playing Georgia. But I knew this was going to be a high-scoring game, and I knew Will Rogers was going to be able to get some yards against Kentucky, and I think Kentucky was favored because they were ranked number 12. It's a good feeling. <laughs> I don't love the Bulldogs. I mean, but again, Will Rogers was, I think, 36 completions for 39 passes. Think about that. If you're just watching a game, I don't care if you took the colors off, you didn't know who was playing, and you didn't care. Was that boring? Was that not extremely entertaining, electrifying football to watch a guy only miss three passes? And those three, by the way, two of them were deep and were in the receiver's hands. One of them was uncontested. So I'm not blaming Will Rogers, who frankly nearly had a perfect game. That's another record he broke. Again, that should be celebrated. Should it be enough to get you furious about them being ranked 17th in the college football playoff poll who ranks teams week to week? I don't think so. Be more responsible. Kenny Pickett. He threw for over 500 yards at home against Miami. Miami, who hasn't been great this year. And they lost 38-34? to What do you do with that? Do you see turnovers? Do they not matter? Should we put Pittsburgh higher? Should we move Miami up? I cannot get mad. What I can do is tell you to watch Miami because their new quarterback, Van Dyke, is electrifying. It's super fun. You should be watching them this weekend for sure. I can't remember if I called that one or not, but I knew it was going to be fun. Um, Duke at Wake Forest. Everybody's upset. Excuse me. Wake Forest undefeated. I've heard this argument left and right. If Wake Forest was in the same position that Clemson's in, being undefeated with the same schedule Wake Forest had and the same score points totals, Clemson would be ranked second or third, and certainly no lower than third, and definitely not eighth. Okay, maybe. Don't say it so angry. And frankly, I disagree, because what Wake Forest doesn't have is a quarterback who we've seen throw for over 400 yards in his first career stat on the road against a playoff Notre Dame team. And in his second game at home against a competitive Boston College team, he did the same thing for the first time in Clemson's history. I could listen to it if Wake Forest had the same problem, but they don't. If if Clemson was playing that competitively with better guys on the roster, yeah, I don't think it would be illegitimate to have them ranked that high. I'm also not certain enough to get mad at the committee for saying that's the problem. Also, I think this kind of needs to be said. Wake's gotten away with some stuff. Okay? 
Clemson has too this year, right? I mean, that's a fair argument that several of their games, including, for example, Boston College made a bad mistake. Clemson capitalized on it. Maybe Boston College was driving to win the game. I don't know. Clemson played a lot of close games. They're going to play another close one this weekend at Louisville. Clemson's never lost to Louisville, and they're not going to this weekend. You hear me? However, Wake Forest, quarterback Sam Hartman threw for 400 yards against Duke. Great. Duke's not good. Now they're going to play at North Carolina against Sam Howell. It's the battle of the quarterback's name, Sam. We're going to call it the championship. Somebody's got to win it, right? It's the championship of North Carolina. And we have to say North Carolina. Don't say Carolina. Don't, say, don't let anybody say Carolina. It's North Carolina. Insist on that. I don't know how this game's going to go, except that I'm taking the over. There's going to be a lot of points in this game. This game's going to be a shootout. They're kind of relatively one-dimensional teams, not super strong on defense. The last team that has the ball, I think, is going to win. And that definitely, look, let's put it this way. A, a lot of people are, Wake Forest hasn't lost. They should be ranked higher. They're a better team. North Carolina's lost a lot. They're not consistent. Okay, I'll tell you this. North Carolina has not lost two consecutive games all season. They just lost at, at Notre Dame. It wasn't exactly competitive. But does that tell you enough to pick North Carolina here? No. But it is going to be close. Wake Forest struggled against um, Louisville, right? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Louisville is a more complex team than other teams that they face on the schedule. Like I said, I mentioned Duke. Duke's not good. Louisville has a more complex scheme and a more complex offense, similar to North Carolina. Again, I don't expect it to be all that different. And it's certainly a losable game for Wake, who has a tough slate at the end, including at Clemson. I'm not sold on Wake being certainly a top four team. I'm just not. They have opportunities to prove it, though. Make no mistake. So we'll see. We'll see. Watch that game, though. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, SMU at Houston. I I mentioned it before. I was talking. I mentioned the wrong game. It was BYU um, hosting Virginia that was over 100 points. I, I called that one. It was crazy fun. Um, I misjudged it um, because Virginia, neither team has a defense, but BYU is a better team. They were the better team. Virginia can't just make it all up on offense. Their defense is worse than BYU's. Let's put it that way. 66 to 49, though. That's not boring. Number 19, SMU at Houston. SMU was undefeated, but nobody was paying attention. Nobody was furious, right? I was telling you to watch them. I was picking SMU. I had several locks this year for SMU, I think. They've been great for me. SMU is playing a tight one with Houston, who people had doubts in Houston because they didn't have their best players like Chuba Hubbard that they've had before, who we thought was going to be determinate for Houston and wasn't. Um, So I think a lot of people just didn't know and didn't see a star on Houston, so they weren't paying attention. And Houston lost in week one, so any hopes of paying attention to them were gone. But Houston's quietly been, again, another super competitive team in a league nobody's paying attention to enough. The AAC. SMU, guess what league they're in? The AAC. Sunny Dykes, let's go. That game came down to the end. And a mistake by SMU and a huge, huge return by Houston to win it 44-37. to That game was awesome. I was watching it at a karaoke bar on a small TV in Jacksonville, Florida. Probably singing a, a 
Sweet Caroline at the time and still trying to watch this game. And I'm like, uh, I can't not sing ba ba ba. <laughs> but I just wanted to watch the game too. I had a great time, in case you can't tell. Uh, you know what? UCF at Temple, all these other games, Alabama on a bye. I'm not sure that didn't help. Rather than, again, these playoff rankings are based mostly off the most recent data. And that's why I think the biggest change that I would make is start in week zero. Start the playoff rankings immediately. There's no reason to wait for week 10. What we need a, a better analysis. We need a bigger body of work to be able to accurately judge them. But we're going to change it every week anyway. Every week, you're supposed to reset it to zero. They sort of behave largely that way. Or at least, at least partially that way, rather than outright conspiracy. I just don't believe in it. I, and it doesn't make sense. I digress. I digress a lot today, don't I? Let's move on to the games this week. Okay, let's see. Uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Pokes got a good pass rush. <sighs> I kind of like OK State here, but this is another good game. I'm not sure either team... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think where if West Virginia is even ranked. I'm not even going to look it up. They're almost certainly not ranked. Um, they beat Iowa State last weekend, who was ranked 22nd. Everybody had their hopes really high for Iowa State at the beginning of the year. Whose fault is that? Is it the playoff committee's fault? No. Now Iowa State's going to Texas. I'm kind of picking Texas here. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't care. I just don't see Texas losing four Big 12 games in a row and another one at home. That's where I'm at. I'm hoping, before I forget about Cincinnati hosting game day, this is not the best game for them to host game day. Is Tulsa, again, a 22-point spread. That's kind of insulting, but you got to do it at some point. Cincinnati needs support. They need people to watch, not just get mad. It's homecoming, which is a big deal. Game day is there. If you're watching, I want you to notice what they show about Clifton. And if you've seen Clifton, if you've lived there before, to see how much has changed, especially if they show places like Vine Street. Again, places uh, I've, I've seen crime. I saw riots there in 19, I'm trying to think, was it? No, 2000. And if I literally crossed the street at my buddy Jonathan's house, if I went across the street, I could be arrested on site. We've all seen riots since during the pandemic, and we kind of glossed it over. Riots are no fun. Riots are awful. They're toxic. They're terrible. They're terrifying. To hear helicopters in your town, to see this unstoppable wave of hate and anger and crime, that it's not that it wasn't illegitimate. Or was a young black boy who was running from the police down an alley, and the police shot him because they thought he pulled out a gun. He didn't. He was unarmed. It's, it was a horrible thing to happen. But the riots, again, vastly disproportionate to that anger. And it's something that, that Cincinnati struggled with to fix since then. But it's the, the Cincinnati football team's success has helped change it more than just about anything. And the riots, also, the city had to respond to get people to come back to the city. And the downtown, the riverfront, there's tremendous growth over the past 21 years. It's true. But I left Cincinnati. I moved to the south. I wanted to live in a place where I never had to see and worry about crime and riots like that ever again. I live in Greenville, South Carolina now. Traveler's Rest, right outside of town. I love it. I definitely don't fear that. I worked in the tallest building in the county, in the landmark building, for 10 years. You'd like to think I should have felt unsafe there for that reason alone. For I, I never felt like somebody was going to fly a plane into my office building. I, I'm lucky. I made that choice, and I'm blessed to have made it. I was born in Greenville, so it's not like I just chose it out of nowhere. And I, frankly, I didn't think I was going to stay in Greenville. I came back to Greenville to try to figure out what was going to go next, but I love it. 
I'm thankful for it. I want more people to move to be in places where they're happy. And if they're happy in Cincinnati, stay happy. Help Cincinnati grow. Help it be better. Help it be safer. All of those things. I'm hoping Cincinnati can remove some of this doubt. I'm afraid Tulsa is going to create more doubt. I just think that's the way it's going to go. And I don't think they budge much from number six. That's all. Be prepared for that. Baylor is favored six and a half over TCU at TCU. Again, after TCU fired their coach. (laughs) I'm struggling not to say take Baylor in a lock. TCU has played Baylor relatively very well, except for Art Bryles coach teams. TCU has been one of those teams who gives Baylor hell. It's not happening this year. Baylor by six and a half. Take it for sure. I'm struggling not to lock it up. I'll have to come back to my locks, but there you have it. Penn State, 11 and a half at Maryland. You want to know more about this game? Do you remember last year? I'll give you a second. Do you remember? Do you remember Penn State, Maryland last year hosting Maryland? I think you can tell where I'm going with this. (laughs) Maryland won last year at Penn State in Happy Valley. They won by 16. Penn State wasn't happy about that. Penn State's on a three-game losing streak. They got Michigan next week. Is this a letdown look-ahead sandwich? Do you think Coach James Franklin is the kind of guy to forget about things like revenge? For better or worse, frankly, it's for worse, but no, he doesn't. Uh Uh-uh. They want this game bad. And if Clifford's playing the way he played against Ohio State, good grief, Maryland doesn't stand a chance. I don't know how to pick. uh, 11 and a half is a little bit too much. But again, if Clifford is playing like he played last week, 11 and a half is easy. I love Talia Tungvaluwa. I don't dislike Maryland. I got no hate for them at all whatsoever. But they tend to beat teams like this sometimes, or relatively very often, comparatively. It's at Maryland. Certainly doesn't hurt them at all. Penn State is able to be competitive. I'm still not convinced Penn State is even a top 10 team, and that's okay. 11 and a half. It's tough. It really does depend on how well Sean Clifford plays, but this should be an exciting game, and it is a revenge game. Make no mistake. Maryland, however, is 0-5 against the spread versus Big Ten teams. 0-5. This tell you something, right? Maryland's made a ton of mistakes when they play league teams in the, in the Big Ten. One of those teams, however, beat Illinois. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Penn State. It wasn't Penn State, which began that, began that losing streak. So there you have it. And if you listen to James Franklin, they played Illinois uh, in consecutive weeks, but they didn't. Meanwhile... The University of Tennessee is playing at Kentucky. Kentucky couldn't run last week at Mississippi State. Four turnovers, including three within five minutes of game clock, it feels like. Certainly in the same quarter, it was, it was a disaster. Um, my buddy Matt, he, he, he says Georgia breaks players. He breaks teams. Maybe. Maybe that's exactly what happened to Kentucky. I think this is going to be, I hate to say it, a fun game. I also hate to say that Tennessee's going to win. Tennessee's coming off a bye. They play with a relentless pace. Georgia's pace was higher against Kentucky than usual, and they they did pretty good against Kentucky, of course. Mississippi State, last week, they play with Mike Leach. Everybody knows that his pace is relentless, too. Tennessee's pace is more relentless than Mississippi State. I have a hard time seeing an opportunity for Kentucky to win. That sounds crazy. At Kentucky... But again, Tennessee's pace coming off of bye week, the way Hendon Hooker's playing, the scheme that Kentucky, I'm sorry, that Tennessee plays with, and frankly, the physicality that Tennessee plays with on defense matches pretty evenly with Kentucky's. But in a matchup that's even, I see more advantages for Tennessee, and I hate saying it, but I have no choice. 
it's on at the same time as Alabama versus LSU. Does that help change your mind about what to watch? Because I think that's going to be a bloodbath too. I don't know. I don't know. I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm taking the volunteers. Sorry, Wildcats. Where, where's Wildcats at? Yeah, that's not so wild. <laughs> also, speaking of cats, earlier this week, on a Tuesday, you think I don't love it? My Ohio University Bobcats, excuse me, played against Miami of Ohio, Oxford Town, Oxford. Ohio University is, I think they were one in seven going into this game. Not good. They've had some competitive games. They've had some big, bad blowouts, too. They were beating Miami huge and still ended up losing by, I think, a field goal. Both teams win the 30s. Gut wrenching. But football on a Tuesday, I'll take it, even if it's a team I like losing. God, it's so good. Football on a Tuesday. Y'all missed out, didn't you? You were watching the football playoff rankings. I didn't watch that, by the way. I don't watch the playoff show, especially when there's live football on. Give me the maxion every single time. Always. That's all. Boise State at Fresno State. Fresno State favored by four and a half. They just beat San Diego State, who has a really good defense. Boise State played Colorado State, um, lost Colorado State, I should say. They also, like I mentioned with North Carolina, Boise State has not lost two consecutive games this year. This is Fresno State's first sellout at home in over a decade. Now, largely because Boise State fans are buying up those tickets. Boise, for those who don't know, it's right there near California. So it's a good travel game. Struggling today to speak. If you can't tell, my throat's kind of bothering me. I'm not sure Boise State doesn't lose two consecutive games for the first time this year, but it's an interesting matchup to see Fresno State favored by four and a half. I would love to see it. I think this game's going to be more competitive than you might like to think it will be. But I also see Fresno State, because of the pace of their offense, I think Boise State people sort of have in their head for what they've done over the last 15 years of how competitive they are. They're just kind of not this year. And I think Fresno State is, um, in particular, the way that they throttle teams late and with the pass. So I'm, I'm taking Fresno State in this weekend. More Bulldogs. You think I don't like Bulldogs? There's enough of them. I like Tigers too, but not all of them. <laughs> and Boise State, what is their mascot? I forget. doesn't matter. That should be a fun game. And again, it's a sellout at Fresno State. If you can watch that game, you've never seen it before. Neither have I. So watch it. Please, please watch these games. Indiana at Michigan. Michigan's favored by 20. Indiana has lost four straight. (laughs) How does that make you feel? Michigan lost narrowly on the road to their rival, Michigan State. Go Big Blue. 20 is is a lot. Kate Snacknamara McNamara can get it done against an Indiana team. I'm, again, I'm struggling not to lock this one up, and it's at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh doesn't respond to this stuff well, and by, by not responding to it well, I mean he he wants blood. So does Kate McNamara. That dude's a baller. It's w- bizarre we're not talking about him more, but we should be. This is going to be a fun one for Big Blue. Big Blue, I don't know why I call him that, but I don't care. Maze and Blue. Michigan at the big house. It's everything you should celebrate about this sport. This is going to be a fun game. And Michigan, I don't know if they necessarily control their own destiny. I think they kind of do. I'm not sure. Um, beating teams, like, of course, obviously they still have Penn State and uh, Ohio State on the schedule. Those are great games that might help Michigan determine its future better. 
But this, this is another team you should be watching. There's not a really good excuse not to watch Michigan. Even against Indiana, I hear you, but just consider it. And yeah, I'm taking Michigan to cover 20. I, I, Indiana's pass isn't, their pass defense isn't good enough to stop Michigan. It's not even close. It's not even fair, really. God, I'm trying to, what, what should that score be? 42? Can Michigan score 42 points again? Yes. Texas, meanwhile, I brought this up before. I mentioned it at Texas. I was wrong. It's at Iowa State. Iowa State's favored by six and a half. Texas has three straight Big 12 losses. I think Texas is going to win it on special teams. I admit I am partial to Texas. I'm partial to their leaders. I'm partial to Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I'm partial to Coach Sarkeesian. I'm partial, really partial, like many people are, to Bijan Robinson. I'm also partial to Iowa State and the Cyclones. I'm a twin. Clone them, baby. Clone them. This is going to be a fun game between two unranked teams. There's a lot of those this weekend. And I think that's part of the confusion is ranked teams should be fun to watch. Unranked teams shouldn't. Power 5 means something. It means so little. These games mean something. These moments mean a ton. Michigan State, if you go back and watch how Michigan State celebrated that win over Michigan at home in a kind of a dreary situation, it's an inescapable moment of celebration. Two years in a row for Michigan State. I don't know if that should influence anything next year when it's in Michigan, but I'm going to move on from that game. Um, Congratulations to Sparty. It's not the way I saw saw it going. Mel Tucker is (laughs) in demand right now. Before I get into some other games, let's just talk about this. The coaching carousel is huge. Between programs like SoCal, Texas Tech, TCU, obviously LSU, more jobs are going to open up as coaches bail from places like perhaps Michigan State, perhaps Penn State with James Franklin. He certainly doesn't seem happy there, and he sure does seem in demand. And frankly, I think Penn State deserves a better coach. But opening up that opportunity changes a lot of things. This year... This offseason is going to be bonkers. Bonkers. Right now, obviously, the highest, I would say, the most indesired job is LSU. And I don't know what they're going to do. But it won't be boring. Um, And they can have their pick. I think, for example, if Texas A&M had lost to Alabama, which isn't that much of a stretch, we would be talking about Jimbo Fisher every single week for these jobs. In particular, LSU, where he won a national title as the offensive coordinator with Nick Saban as the head coach and Will Muschamp as the defensive coordinator. When Jimbo Fisher was at FSU, he wanted that LSU job. That wasn't a secret. LSU couldn't afford him. LSU was, the state was broke too. It's a state school. They had a legitimate problem that came out behind closed doors and FSU didn't like it and responded, you know, with anger. And it, it just got toxic there and he had to leave. I digress. Had Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher not beaten Alabama, we would be talking about him every week. When was the last time you heard Jimbo Fisher's name? Nobody's talking about him for any of these jobs. Beating Alabama changes a lot of things. If he hadn't already gotten a contract extension, he certainly would have. Again, I mentioned Jeff, Jeff Trailer from UTSA before. He's got all kinds of connections over Texas, and there's opportunities for him to get a bigger, better job in Texas. Should he? I don't know. The buyout is certainly doable. That's the point. 
And Sonny Dykes, too. I, I don't know what's going to happen with either of those two coaches. I would not be surprised at all if they take bigger jobs. Simple as that. Meanwhile, Friday. It's uh, the 5th of November. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. I forget the rest of it. For V for Vendetta. <laughs> Guy Fawkes Day. I love the Brits. So there you have it. Um, it's a good day to celebrate in, in spite of the fact that it won't have anything to do with these games, including Virginia Tech at Boston College. Boston College had Phil Dracovic. He's still on the roster. He's awesome for fans like BCD out there for for who helped get Dracovic to Boston College. It was tragic to see him get hurt this year. It really was. As a result, BC is winless in the ACC. Virginia Tech's favored by three. Virginia Tech is roughly a touchdown competitive to me against every team on their schedule this season. Every team. And they've kept it close against a lot of these teams, too. At BC is not easy. I think if Virginia Tech wins, which I I am, that they win by more than three, more than a field goal. I say lock it up. Take the Hokie Birds to win at BC. Just do it. I don't think BC can do enough to score to keep it within three. That's all. Does that make more sense? Virginia Tech isn't winning by a field goal. They're winning by a touchdown. I think it's that close. I think it's a six or seven point win. Maybe ten. Like 10, I guess, would be the highest. It could be more than that, but that's a lock. Utah at Stanford. Utah is favored by six and a half. Stanford beat Oregon. So what does that tell you? Oh, my God. It tells me you're not watching enough Utah. Watching this past weekend um, late at night in my hotel room in Jacksonville Beach, <laughs> I, I love the I love Pac-12 after dark. I sincerely mean that. I love late nights. I just love passing out. With a football, a college football game on, especially one as competitive and fun and electrifying as Utah with their new starting quarterback, Cam Rising, who came in after I forget whose name is, who was injured. Um, Cam Rising is awesome. I just love his name, Cam Rising. It's, it's, it's like a verb, you know? You should do it. Rise up, Cam Rising. They play with an also an electrifying pace tenacity like crazy. They are aggressive. They're physical. Kai Whittingham is a tremendous leader. It's at Stanford, which isn't the easiest place to play, but Stanford's on the quarter system. I don't think anybody's in school this weekend. Utah's favored by six and a half. I don't care that Stanford beat Oregon. When Oregon was out, Joe Moore had their offensive coordinator genius. Gimme Utah. Go Utes. Army versus Air Force. I don't know if you knew this. It's the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. I'm saluting right now. You can't see it. I love this stuff. I love anytime the the, the the armed forces get to play each other. I'm struggling with who to pick in here because I really don't care. I want. I just love this. I love these. Um, I love these games. Give me army. Screw it. Give me army. I think Air Force is probably going to win, but I like Army. Did I really just say that out loud? Yeah, I don't care. I'll, I'll take army. SMU at Memphis. SMU. <laughs> Again, we talked about it before. Narrow loss against Houston to end their undefeated streak. Memphis has been playing competitive football. Um, Memphis is, I think, 4-4 four and four right now. SMU is favored by 4. <laughs> Give me SMU. Again, I think I had them locked up last week, but I don't care. Memphis has played a tough schedule against really good teams. Um, SMU, I just want to see them continue to do great. And I don't, let's put it this way. I think SMU is going to score uh, over 40 and probably maybe even over 50 again. 
Memphis can't keep up with that. But to compete within four points? No, 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 no. I'm, I just don't see it. Even at Memphis, which isn't exactly an easy place. Um, and you know how I feel about the Tigers. I like Tigers. Wow. Not happening this time. Not happening. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Here's a really interesting one. It's another good example of celebrate the sport when people aren't talking about it. Middle Tennessee State University. You know I don't love any team from the state of Tennessee. And they're at Western Kentucky University. Why are we talking about those two teams? Well, guess what? They've both been good enough to be invited to the MAC that has some openings because of other teams moving outside. It is great. It's something to excite to be excited about. Bailey Zappi is tremendous, the quarterback for Western Kentucky. You should watch this game because it's fun. I, I don't have the point spread in front of me, but I'm taking Western Kentucky to beat every spread. But I'm telling you right now, if you can watch this game, it will not be boring. It will be electrifying. And if you want to see, if you like to watch single guys play, let's see, single guys, all the single ladies. If you like to watch good performances, you, you're not going to do better than Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. So I recommend it and see why these teams are getting invited to the MAC. It's it's worth it. South Alabama, USA, USA, USA. They're favored by three at Troy, who nearly beat Coastal Carolina. I had Coastal locked up again. Grayson McCall is amazing. Amazing. Grayson McCall was a two-star recruit with zero Power 5 recruitment scholarship offers. He's now on pace to shatter the FBS single-season passing efficiency record. Shatter it. He is that good. That's why I've locked him up the last two weeks, and I've been wrong. <laughs> Troy's a physical team. They've, they've been physical for 20 years. Another in-state team for South Alabama. Jake Bentley, by the way, at South Alabama. Did you know that? Of course not. Does that make you want to watch more? It should. South Alabama has a good defense. They're favored by three. USA, USA, USA. Give me South Alabama. Take it. Florida is favored by 18 at South Carolina. I started that wrong. I should have said if two, four, and four teams in the SEC are playing, name them and tell me which one you're taking. The one on the road? (laughs) Favored by 18. This is a game where Florida is starting to try to compete for bowl eligibility, not unlike Clemson. Louisville also four and four. Clemson has never lost to Louisville. Interesting, right? You're going to say the same thing on Monday morning, and you're going to say, Gray, you were right. I can't believe it. I just thought Clemson was going to keep getting bad and not do any better, and Louisville has a good offense. I can't believe what we did to them. There you go. Clemson's defense isn't going to get picked apart by Louisville, but you, Louisville's going to have some stressful yards for Clemson fans out there. I see Clemson had almost nowhere to go but up, right? They've been bad this year. In fact, arguably one of the most disappointing teams in terms of potential talent, like talent that we've seen compete on the roster with guys like DJU not doing his best. Justin Ross not running good routes, not playing with tenacity, dropping passes, making fundamental mistakes. Meanwhile, you've got a guy like Will Shipley, who oddly, some fans are upset that he's the starter. I think he's fantastic. What's not to love? Yeah, I'm taking Glemson in this game. Deal with it. Maybe I'm wrong, (laughs) but... I'm not picking this one to be the first time Clemson loses to Louisville. So, go Tigers. Nebraska. This is what's interesting. This is why I bring it up, too. Like Clemson, is good. They have talent. They have a good defense. They have tons of talent. They have tons of stats and yards and all those things that make the, the game fun. 
they lost by seven points and three points twice to top 10 college football playoff ranked teams. Think about that. They've had close games, very close games, three times to top 10 playoff ranked teams. What does that tell you? That Adrian Hernandez, again, hasn't reached his ceiling. He hasn't, he hasn't come close. It doesn't tell you how good or bad Nebraska is or can be. They can cause problems for Ohio State. They really can. Will they? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's at Nebraska. I, I don't have the point spread in front of me for Ohio State. I'm sure it's big, as it likely should be. I would, I'm not taking it. The way Ohio State played last week was not their best either. And if Ohio State p- does play their best, I sincerely believe that they can beat Nebraska. I, I'm sorry, cover the point spread. I expect Ohio State to win, but not co- necessarily cover the spread. I wish I had it in front of me. I should. However, note that for this game, how close Nebraska has played top-level teams. Keep that in mind. And I, I'm, not, I'm not expecting the Buckeyes to beat the spread, but this weekend could change my opinion on how I feel about them going forward. Oregon State is favored by 11 versus Colorado. Colorado has lost all but one of their games that they lost by 11 or more. And Oregon State has been one of the biggest surprises in the team, in the, in the sport. I'm sorry. Guess where I'm going with that one? Is it a surprise? It's not. Beavers. I wish I had. <laughs> Give me the Beavers. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh at Duke. Pittsburgh barely ranked, but Duke's not good. This is an opportunity for Pittsburgh to throttle another ACC team and have some fun with it. Georgia Tech at Miami again. This is an early game on ESPNU at 1230. Miami with Van Dyke is playing amazing. Their defense is still pretty good. Not great. Again, room to grow. But Van Dyke has been a firework for Miami. Take Miami to cover for sure. Michigan State at Purdue. Michigan State ranked number three in the uh, uh, college football playoff poll and the AP, which is interesting. Michigan State undefeated at Purdue. It's It's... It's good. <laughs> Purdue, I think a lot of people obviously look at them as a team that challenges other competitive teams more frequently than you might like to think, so we've gotten used to it. Michigan State's favored by three. It's interesting. I'm not sure exactly how to call this one. I think obviously you're trying to pick who's going to win. I don't think Michigan State's going to lose. I also don't think they're going to win by just three. I'll take Sparty here to cover. 42 and a half. I'm sorry, the, the, the over is 52. Don't take that. No, 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 no. Auburn at Texas A&M. I don't remember how much we covered this. Texas A&M is favored by four and a half, hosting Auburn. The over is 49 and a half. That's, that's too much. This is going to be a low-scoring game. I also think Auburn's going to win. And it's it's important to note that if Auburn loses, then Texas A&M is literally competing for the SEC West to play Georgia in Atlanta. If, if Auburn loses to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. If Auburn wins, Auburn literally can be end up playing Georgia again for the SEC title. And I don't know what you do with Auburn if they win the, that game too, but they could. Auburn is playing that competitive. That game that they lost at Penn State, I thought the the better team lost. A lot of calls didn't go Auburn's way. A lot of they weren't at their best either. And they've kind of been hit or miss this year, but they've also improved. I I hate to say it. Texas A&M has a good defense. And Bo Nix is the antidote against good defenses because of how he can scramble and make garbage plays, frankly. I don't love that backyard style of football. I just don't. I love to see more traditional fundamental football. 
But make no mistake, Bo Nix is really, really, really good at that backyard style of play, at making things happen, and and to attack a Texas A&M defense. Calzada's been playing great. Calzada, the quarterback for Texas A&M, he beat Alabama at home. Great. Tough environment. Fill in the blank. This is a tough environment for Auburn, too. Texas A&M coming off a bye week. I think that makes a lot of people want to favor Texas A&M like they are by four and a half, but they're not. Auburn's going to win this game. You're going to have to deal with it. Texas A&M has a good defense. Auburn has a quarterback to beat them. Auburn has a good defense. Texas A&M. Calzada, let's put it this way. Calzada has had over 200 yards in two games, including the game against uh, Alabama. And one of them was, the other one was a FCS team, if I remember right. It wasn't a good competitive team or certainly not a league team. You think they're going to do that against Auburn, who has arguably the best front four in the SEC West? Against an Auburn team who has a, a good, if not a top shelf secondary? It's not happening. Calzada isn't going to have his best day against Auburn just because he did against Alabama. Maybe he will, but you shouldn't expect it. I, I think it's this one's an easy call to me, and I hate to do it, but yeah, I'm taking Auburn. In particular, also the way they played last week. It's just the way it is. Navy at Notre Dame. This one's a big one that I want to bring up personally. Notre Dame's ranked 10th. Um, Notre Dame's been getting better and better and better. They're playing. They're a complete team. Kylan Williams is he's special. He's a really special running back who is, I don't want to say definitive for Notre Dame's success, but he's certainly an inescapable part of their success. He makes that team even more fun to watch than you might like to believe. Notre Dame can be kind of hit or miss with how much fun they are. I love them. I'm partial to them. I love this game. Navy at Notre Dame is important. This is a game that's never going away. It deserves to be celebrated. The respect between these two teams is, frankly, the level of respect that I think deserves to be celebrated by everybody who gets paid to participate in this sport ever. It's at 3.30. It's on broadcast TV, on NBC, as it should be. At Notre Dame, please, please, please treat yourself to the beginning, middle, and end of this football game. Make sure you're watching it when it starts. NBC does not have the same problem with other games bleeding into them. You will get to participate and understand why this game means more in a way that I can't explain to you now. Listen to me and watch this game. Notre Dame hosting Navy. Deserves to be said. Wisconsin at Rutgers is interesting as well. Um... You know, I'm tired. I want to get out of here. <laughs> and I want all of y'all to remember how important this season and the, the college football season at large really is. It is so much more important than a playoff ever could be. And I'm saying this as a fan with Alabama and Clemson blood flowing through my veins, literally. I've seen success, unprecedented success in this playoff system that arguably wouldn't exist without this playoff system. And benefited from it. And I'm not saying this to try to make you, to suggest that I'm special for it. I've learned this from the leaders and I can't, I can't ignore how much better this regular season always is than it ever will be worth arguing over a poll or even the championship standing for a playoff itself. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Because then it's all gone in January. It's all gone. And the only people who get to celebrate are are the champions? No, uh uh-uh. I'm excited for these potential bowl game matchups, but I can't ignore how much there is to absorb and, and grow from and thrive from and learn from and to saturate myself with inspiration across the sport. Again, from the MAC to Conference USA, from the Big Ten to the Big 12, the, the 12 teams in the Big Ten and the 10 teams in the Big 12, 
the SEC with 18,000 teams and whatever it is, and the ACC that can't make up its mind about who they want to be and what they want to do. NC State at Florida State. That's another game you should be watching. It should be fun. And I'm taking Florida State to beat them. It's going to be a surprise. Mississippi State at Arkansas. I don't know what to think about this game. If Mississippi State keeps playing as good as they have been, then they win. Is it going to be boring? No. Is it going to be worth celebrating? Yes, unequivocally. Please, just consider that. Consider watching more football and making yourself explicitly in your brain just smile. Just try to enjoy it. Watch X's and O's. Watch competition. Watch how teams celebrate. Don't just watch highlights. Do what you can to savor every snap. Simple as that. It never gets old. We are in a golden age of the sport. It's only gotten better. This year is such, again, another exclamation point. (sighs) After a season that was tragically affected by COVID-19 last year. From, from coast to coast, arguably even in the SEC, but maybe more for everybody outside of the SEC. This year has been a gift. It still is, and it's going to keep giving it to you, whether you accept it or not. All I'm trying to tell you, all I want to encourage you to do is accept it. Savor it. Watch these games. Don't let people tell you to leave early, because you're going to have to sit in traffic anyway. Be thankful that you're at the game. Don't change the channel. Watch the games. Get another TV out. Get a game out on the radio. I don't care. You deserve it. You deserve to be happy. You really do. You don't deserve to have these people screaming in your ear about how upset you should be at other people who you don't know, even though we know their names. Don't do it. Don't, 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 don't do it. Watch these kids lose a football game this weekend and still celebrate with the team that just beat them. They're going to do it. They're going to do it again this weekend. I swear to God, they're going to teach you. All you got to do is listen. All you got to do is watch. All you got to do is choose how you're going to participate and how you're going to let it enhance your life. Or how you're going to deliberately let other people encourage you not to. Don't do it. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Listen to yourself. Listen to your heart. Listen to these players. Listen to these coaches with this sport who has more of them than ever, than any other sport ever has. And celebrate. Savor every snap. You can find us in FET Greenville Magazine every single week. The number one magazine in Greenville, South Carolina. F-E-T-E Greenville.com. It's all free. It's all digital. It is all good. Thank you again, Jay Spivey. He celebrated his 61st birthday this week. I love Jay Spivey. More than college football, I could give it all up for just one more hour with Jay Spivey. Um, I would not be doing this podcast or so many other different things in my life without his growth, so I'm compelled to say thank you. I love you, brother. Happy birthday. Um, That's it. God bless. Y'all enjoy this weekend. We'll catch you next week on the Gray Zone. Not red, not blue, not white, not green, just gray. Just gray.